0: horror makes us happy the podcast where we ask the question what is it about horror that makes us happy your hosts are myself chris whitman and steve becker and you can find out more about us at our our website or makes us before we get started a little information for our guests and listeners uh these are your trigger warnings we're going to be talking about horror movies which could involve anything from murder rape suicide child abuse there will be f-bombs so if you're not prepared for that please take care of yourself and then come back when you're ready Today's guest is Joel Wincoop, best known for um,
1: Lost Faith, Creep, Killing Spree, and the Truth or Dare series.
0: Thank you. We just talked about these. <laughs> this is an earlier show than usual, listeners, so I'm, I'm on my second cup of coffee right now. I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> yes. He is an actor, filmmaker, and king of the B-movies. Welcome,
1: Joel. Glad to have you.
2: Well, thank, you, you, very, thank you very much. Nice to be here.
1: Anything you want to plug before we get into it?
2: Oh, um, well, I'm working on the Craigline incident right now. That's uh, in my editing system, and I was looking at about an hour worth of footage last night, and I was just about three in the morning, and uh, just really laughing back here. I was really, I really enjoyed it, and I said, I, I really can't wait to see this on the big screen, and all these people that uh, did their so this is a social, true social distancing movie because everything was done with everybody sending me their scenes. So, uh, it's a sci-fi comedy, so uh, everything's put together. It just has to be put in order. And, uh, then I started, hopefully I'll get it out next year at the beginning of the year. And then I, I, a dozen other things I'm working on.
1: Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw your IMDB. There was like 10 things that are in production or post or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Not only do you have a very long resume there, which again is very impressive, but yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in production. You're very busy right now.
2: Yeah, my, my buddy uh, and partner, Phil Herman, in uh, New York, he just sent me something. He goes, when are you going to get me that picture for Always Midnight Part 2? And I told him, <laughs> I'm working on it with all the others. And then we're doing something for another guy. I said, with his stuff and the Craigline incident and these other three things I got going, I'm trying to get them done one at a time.
1: Life life has a way of getting in the way. <laughs> no. So in this interview, we'll be asking three sets of questions, uh, covering your childhood, teenage years, and adulthood, uh, to find out what it is about horror that you like. The idea is that if we interview enough people, we might find some interesting common themes, also might find some unexpected ones. And that'd be interesting as well. Um, we come at the same questions from these different angles because, uh, sometimes it triggers memories that you'd forgotten about. Um, but that said, it's not meant to be a therapy session. So if there are any questions that you don't want to answer, just say, I'll pass and we'll move on.
2: Okay.
0: It's like that game show pass or whatever <laughs> one of those game shows. i don't know anyway so yeah let's get into it so we'll start with childhood what are some of your earliest memories of scary things either scary scary like as a bad experience or or also like uh, influential anything like you know movies you may have seen as a child books you read scary coats on the wall that looked like a creature that was going to eat you in your sleep relatives relatives are also scary
2: (laughs) i I think first thing um i remember seeing is like wizard of oz i was very scared of the flying monkeys i remember when that scene came on i didn't like want to be alone in my room i was like seven or eight and then later Mm -hmm. uh some guys this was a, a cool story and it's i'm writing a book too in fact i just picked up a publisher that's working with me to get it out which is because i've been working on this forever and finally i found somebody that says no we'll work with you um but i was with a friend of mine in lake elmo minnesota and um these truck drivers were at the house and one of the truck drivers goes hey kid come here so you know you're being a dumb kid you you walk over yeah and he's like here this will keep you up at night he throws me a magazine it was famous monsters number i don't know eight or something i think it had Bell Lugosi on the cover, and I was like, wow, and me and my friend Jimmy Marty, he came over to me, and he goes, oh, look at this, this is cool, and those guys left, I, I think that maybe kind of started it, because I was like, wow, look at all these monsters, and and then um, and then I discovered a show called Horror Incorporated, and uh, it would start out with a coffin, it would come on at midnight, and I would always beg my dad, can I please stay up and watch this, and the first thing I saw in there was Dracula, and when Horror Incorporated opens, it was a pretty scary scene for you know a kid. Uh, uh, you'd see on the television there'd be a coffin and then there'd be a mist blowing over the. In fact, I looked it up on YouTube. I was like, man, this is really cool seeing this again. And the mist and the fog is blowing over the coffin, and then a hand pokes out of the coffin and s- starts to open it up, and then these graphics come up that say Horror Incorporated, and then they go into their first title, which the first one I saw in there was Dracula, and I remember. Even that, being scared, because I tried to play it off by going out to my dad and going, Dad, this is really funny. It's got a guy named Renfield, and he goes, would you like to eat a rat? I go, it's so funny. (laughs) No, I I was scared to death and didn't want to stay in there alone, so I was trying to make something up for it. So I think that goes way back. That's like 1968 or 7, and that is probably my whole um, start into... The horror and and why I like scary movies, and of course, it just you know went on as the ages go on. You see more things, but I think that was the start. That magazine, those trucker. Dr- I wish I could track down those truck drivers and go, "Hey, man, thanks for giving me that magazine because this really started <laughs> everything for me."
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: I, I can relate. Like uh, like Doctor Paul Bear for me was uh, was an early uh, similar experience like that. You know, the classic seventies, eighties. Yep. Or TV shows like that. Yep. And now looking back on it, you look at stuff like that, like, oh, it's a cool fog effect. I can see how they did that. And the, the skull, the skeleton hand crawling out of the coffin. You just, you think about the production aspect of it. It's funny.
2: Yeah.
1: But, uh, but at the time, of course, at, particularly in childhood, you're not thinking about anything like that. It's just the emotional response. Um, what, what scared you about the, uh, the monkeys,
2: Um, same thing. That was, I mean, when a wizard of Oz come out, that was, uh, I was, I think I was watching it like in 67, I want to say. And, um, so I'm seven years old. Uh, I don't know. Just when they got to that dark, I was up in my, I was up in my bedroom. It was on the second story. I was there by myself, you know, you know, mom and dad, everybody's downstairs, but I'm upstairs on my bed in front of my little television set, little black and white TV and watching it, you know, and, oh, you know, uh, the Wizard of Oz. We're gonna go see the Wizard, the Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and you're like, oh yeah, da, da, and then the monkeys. Ah! And I'm like, oh god, what are those? <laughs> they're flying out the windows and they're in the sky. That's scary. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Plus, they were really realistic. You know, it was like, I mean, for for the time,
2: for the time, yeah. But yeah, I mean, all in fun. But yeah, still, again, you're you're you know, you're seven or eight years old, and you're watching this stuff by yourself. And you're like, this is scary.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've mentioned it on a few of our interviews. My early thing like that was uh, Thriller. You know, looking back on it now, it's a fun video and the special effects were awesome. But at the time, I was about the same age, maybe seven or eight. And it scared the ever-living shit out of me.
2: Yeah, watch zombies busting through the floor. Right. Watch Thriller at seven. You're not like singing the song. You're like crawling under the bed, (laughs) hiding. (laughs) Right.
1: What was it about Dracula that scared you?
2: Um, I think just because it was... Which, which of course, with the horror movies, then it would like Vincent Price said that it, 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 horror movies are about cutting the head off and rolling down. In those days, Dracula and and wax museum, they they were scary for other reasons. It wasn't like Dracula showed up and ripped the girl's chest open and bit her on the breast, and so they didn't do that. It was mm-hmm. scary because it was dark and the story was cool, and they they took you into this place that you can't really totally figure out. And again, being a kid. You're like, i mean you can sit down and watch dracula now but but you watch it maybe for different reasons like you watch it well oh this is this is a horror movie from way back oh it's classic it's bella lugosi we gotta watch this but then again it's dark there's a castle you got a vampire coming down the stairs and it's just dark and scary and creepy and then of course then you have the, the you know the storyline for a kid to follow then it cuts to oh hey hi jane oh hi john how are you today i'm doing pretty then that's when you tune out as a kid but you know the whole story's there it's dark it's about a vampire and you know what you know what you're getting into when you get into it because you're you know you've heard of dracula you know he's a vampire now you're watching it on tv um so to me yeah just all that and the castle that just made for a good story and you know something that was you know scary and and The type of thing that you're probably not supposed to be watching. I was surprised my dad let me watch it. I think there was times he was like, no, go to bed. Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, aside from the dark and the brooding sense of it, it's also, like you say, more suspenseful than today's horror.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they didn't have jump scares back then. They just had stingers in the soundtrack and creepy lighting and just long, suspenseful pauses. Yeah. It was
1: better. So it sounds like even early on there was this mixture of – uh, fear, but also enjoyment, because you mentioned that magazine that you enjoyed. What was it that you enjoyed about the magazine and the monsters in there?
2: Um uh it's just all just turn I remember turning the pages and going, wow, look at that, that's cool. And of course, again, you're back in like 67, 68. So there was no like, oh, look at this person's ripped to pieces and their guts are hanging out. It wasn't nothing like that. It was just like creature from the black lagoon and Dracula and oh wow, look, there's Frankenstein. And, and all the space movies, you know, the uh, invasion movies and stuff. So it was just stuff that I hadn't seen before. And I was like, man, this is so cool. Like, you know, this is something you can do. Wow, this is a great new world. Let's forget about the tree house and start watching movies. We watched um, probably in the early 70s, or it might even be in the 60s. I'd have to check up when it came out. But I spent the night at my buddy's house, uh, Jim Marty, and we watched um, The Green Slime, which was a japanese movie with robert horton which was neat because later on in life uh my friend in high school was named robert horton it wasn't him obviously but <laughs> um but yeah that was the cool and then jimmy got me to watch uh he was like joel you gotta watch this it's on tv tonight it's called the birds and they peck this guy's eyes out and i'm like oh cool so <laughs> a little bit of culture i got to see this horror movie uh but it was alfred hitchcock so you're like wow so my first uh time at watching something like that, too, because you're sitting there watching, you know. And it was Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds. It was on television. There was commercials. So you're, we're all gathered around the TV, and we had popcorn. And um, another one I remember was a cool one. And, and the Martys and I, we used to do this all the time. We'd watch a movie, and then we'd pick characters on TV, and we go, okay, you're that character. I'll be this character. And, and, Joni, you're that character. So when something would happen to the character, I think mine was they tied him down to the ground it was in africa and they poured honey all over him and then all the army ants came and ate him just were chewing his face off and everything and they're going ah joel that's you that's you would dying and be like, shut up man we're not really dying it's we're playing but i don't remember what that movie was but i remember that scene they poured honey or some kind of stuff all over him and then the army ants just came and they just swarmed all over his body they're chewing his face off so there was something of that uh kind of gore element then because i remember that you know green slime it was more space and it was a monster but it wasn't nothing like with the the gore but then alfred hitchcock of course had the you know the birds pecked his eyes out they cut in for that close-up but that one story when they were like out in the jungles and they were trekking through the jungles and then being the guy being tied down and and then being eaten by ants so Those are, those are pretty cool. You know, way back when stories of, of horror and stuff. So
1: it sounds like you had a, a decent, at least one friend that was also into this. Did you have other friends who were also into horror or just the one,
2: uh, Again, way back then, uh, no, you don't. You know, of course, because you didn't have internet. You know, I was just telling somebody the other day. I go, I miss the '70s. It was kind of neat when you're with your mom and dad in your car, and you're like, I can't wait till I get home so I can call my friend and tell him about the new monster movie. And now it's everybody's picked their cell phone, up and they're like, Hey, man, did you see it? So yep. my real friend was was Jim Marty uh, next door to me when I lived lived in uh, when I moved to Lake Elmo, Minnesota. Now when I lived in. um spring valley minnesota right before that probably too young um that's when i got introduced to it and there was only me and jim uh he was my best friend if we did anything it was usually just him and i and i'd stay over there and we'd watch movies and we both liked the the horror stuff um i think i like probably liked it more than he did oh another one we watched together and it scared the hell out of us and to this day um I'd say like eight years ago, I bought a bootleg from a guy at a, a convention. It was called The Shuttered Room. That, for 1967, for a 7 year eight-year-old, nine, whatever I was, 10, um, when that came on, we watched that on television. That thing was scary, man. I remember going to bed at night, and we were talking, and we were like, let's go through the whole movie and talk from the beginning to the end. And he goes, okay, the first thing that would happen, and then we get to the part where the person was in the shuttered room tied up and it, damn it was a scary movie i i i watched it again and i go i can see where i you know as a kid i was like scared to death because i look at it now and i'm like that's still a pretty pretty scary movie the shuttered room and so yeah most of all my stuff was just jimmy and i watching uh basically because it was on television i mean then you moved into gilligan's island and batman and the green hornet and the brady bunch and all that stuff but and, and our nights were all the, the horror stuff. And for me, that was pretty much it. Me, me and Jimmy, there, there were other friends. Those are the friends that would either beat me up or you'd go exploring in the woods and they'd jump out and attack you and threaten to kill you. And <laughs> one, Two guys, one time they grabbed us and they took us down to their fort and they held us up against the, the wall. There's like nine of them. And they were taking the rubber from a tire from a bicycle. and There's whipping it at us and slapping it again we were looking at each other like oh shit these guys are gonna kill us and then later on that they let us go we weren't gonna really hurt you you scared the hell out of us man (laughs) cheeky shenanigans yeah
1: what about uh what was it about the shutter room that was scary to you
2: oh man it was just it was this um i don't know what she was she was like uh in her her face was all like because they at uh, one minute she like turns to the camera and her, her eye is all like kind of distorted or ripped open and scarred and she kind of looks at the camera and she's like ah! and I guess she wasn't a monster. She was, it just they made it so scary. It was like because and then we had a up on the top of the hill on one of our roads. If you went way up on the top of the hill, there was like a mill, um, like a like a mill where they did the wheat and all that. And that mill looked like the shuttered room so my buddy and i said up on that hill that the girls in that building because that's the shuttered room." <laughs> uh-huh. but it was yeah. just again it was dark you know and, and and again i'm saying if i watch it now i probably i wouldn't be sitting there oh my god this is so scary but it still had that content of something was locked up in this room and the guy couldn't tell anybody and somebody came to visit and they look through the keyhole and they could see the person in there and they were chained up and they want to try and get to him, But, you know, and then it, it just all unfolds. Then um, I, I'm going to probably watch it again tonight. Now
1: kind of reminds me of, is it bluebeard? Is it the bluebeard story where it's, you know, it gets married and you, you know, you can open, you can go anywhere, anywhere in the house, but not in that room. That's the one thing that you're not supposed to have. And of course she wants to go in that room. It could be. Um, a pirate. yeah well yeah i mean um that's what i'm trying to remember if it was bluebeard or a different one if there was a
2: character name but, but it definitely is called the shuttered room like if you just imdb it or whatever you'll see it or even youtube shutter that'd be uh, it's neat when you can go on youtube like i said about horror incorporated punch in a name and you can all instantly you got your memory back and you can be oh there mm-hmm. the shuttered room there it is
1: so you had a friend um who was in with you on some of this stuff. Did any of these uh, experiences trigger any uh, fears that you had never had before?
2: Uh, no, just that, you know, I mean, when it would get dark outside, you'd look outside and you think, oh, there's, there's vampires and monsters out there that might come get you. Or mm-hmm. uh, we live next to the graveyard. Sometimes they're worried about the graveyard. Uh, are, people gonna, are people going to come out of that graveyard at night? Mm. <laughs> um but I think that was it. I don't think there was too many times where I was actually like, you know, so afraid. I remember being upstairs for The Wizard of Oz, watching that. But I don't think there was ever uh, like. I think I had. I think I had some nightmares as a kid. Um, I still have nightmares now. Sometimes I wake up just yelling, um, and I fight in my sleep. I throw karate kicks in my sleep, and I punch the headboard. I cracked the headboard one night. I, I punched it so hard because I, I was. I was wow. fighting somebody in my sleep and uh my wife was like i'm glad you hit the headboard and now <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun way to wake up oh yeah my head right. oh, shit. yeah but yeah as, as a kid i don't think I, I don't think i was ever trying to remember if i was like really super scared but i don't think so just like you know watching those movies maybe thinking about it or one time uh i heard my i was up in bed sleeping And I heard my mom and dad come in the house, and I thought, okay, good, mom and dad are home. And then I heard them leave the house, and then I got out of my bed and came down. And then when I come downstairs, there was one thing. We had an attic, and at the top of the stairs, there was like a little opening, and you would unhook the thing and open it up, and you could go in there. And that was our attic, and I swore something was inside that attic waiting to get me. I remember that. And our basement. I do remember that. You guys are bringing this out now. Uh, The basement. Down in the kitchen, there's a door. And if you open that door, the stairways go down into complete, total darkness. Mm-hmm. That was scary because I, I knew there was a monster down there. And I find out there wasn't because there was a tornado one day and it was coming right through the middle of the town. And my dad and mom and myself and our dog, uh, Touche, all had to go down into the basement with all that. My mom had all the preserves of the jam and all that. And uh, sit down it there and scary in a different way. Yeah, it was <laughs> a dark, dark. So, yeah, it was either the monsters were there, but we're coming down here to seek refuge from <laughs> the tornado. But, yeah, I do remember that the attic and that basement were um, were scary. So my parents had come home. They left. I, I get out of bed. I come to my sister wasn't living there. Then I come down the stairs. I go out and they're not there. I'm going, Mom, Dad, and they're not there so instantly i'm scared because my mom and dad came home and now they're gone again i, I don't know where they went i was asleep they, they, i guess they left a, he's asleep let's escape um so i called my brother who's a cop and uh i said bruce mom and dad are gone i'm really scared what to do i'll be right there he hangs up the phone. He, he's in uh saint paul so he's maybe 25 minutes out so then all of a sudden mom and dad come home and i hug my mom and I, where were you well Somebody broke down and we went and helped them and you're okay. Well, Bruce is going then Bruce shows up and he's dad. Is Joel? Okay. He said he was alone. Oh, he's not alone. He's fine. Go to bed. He's all right. Go home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mentioned nightmares. Did
2: you have any re- reoccurring ones? Um, just the reoccurring ones I have are so were are so dang real. to even mm-hmm. to this date that you could, you know, you know, they're a dream. But you could swear that um, they just seem to. i, I, I recently, well, within the last eight years. But I remember being at my my mom's house, driving down to um, Fort Pierce, and my wife and I spending the night there one night. And as I was sleeping on the floor, uh, I was in this weird mist dream, and it was my mom coming down the hallway. But the the lights weren't lit like they they would be, or the room wasn't lit like it would be. It was darker. And she just went, like that. And I immediately woke up like, what? And (laughs) it was, I was the exact same position. The hallway was right in front of me, just like the hallway was in front of me in the dream. But in the hallway in the dream, it was, um, it was like more darker and shadowier. And I just remember waking up to that thinking, okay, that was a dream, but that was pretty damn real. And and just other ones where, I think one was my nephew was coming over and his, he, he was just weird coming up the stairs and I woke up screaming. That was when I was like 15. and um, But yeah, now now they're just replaced with people putting guns in your face and shooting you. One time I told the guys at work when I was working for uh, Crystal Springs Water, it was like 20 years ago, and uh, I told the one guy, I go, guys, God, I had a dream last night. I was delivering water and those Rottweilers get out and they were ripping my face apart and ripping my arms off. And the one dude goes, that's what you get for making all those horror movies. I don't know what do at all. But that was a guy on my route. You talk about scary. Every time I'd go to his house, those dang Rottweilers were huge. And they would jump up in the window and they'd scratch and scratch on the glass and they were barking and stuff was flying out of their mouths. And they were knocking the blinds down. I go, how do people live with two gigantic dogs that, want to just they must be destroying the house you know pooping and peeing all over and ripping crap up so they're like attacking the window one time i went there and the kids open the door i go oh my god close your door (laughs) you're like go go hide get into safety (laughs) because i'm bringing up their bottles of water and the kid opens the door hi close your door (laughs) (laughs) so i'm telling the guy at um the the tire place about making his delivery at his home i go man i'm I go to your house. Your dog's like, they, they're acting like they want to kill. Oh, they can't get out. Don't worry about it. They're fine. And I'm thinking, yeah, but your wife must hate it. Because I know they're tearing those blinds up. Now one day I go, it's Florida Tire and Recycling. I go there about, I don't know, a couple months later. And he goes, you're right. And I go, about what? Our dogs. dog. I go, what happened? Dogs came through the window, chewed up our neighbor. I go, oh, my God. <laughs> he goes, they ripped him to pieces, man. He didn't have a ch-. I go, oh, jeez. They got into his arm and his face and his private parts and his leg. And the two of them were just tearing the guy to piece. Tearing the guy to piece. The ambulance came. The dog catcher, police. I think they shot him. I go, oh, my God. He goes, yeah, pretty lucky it wasn't you, huh? And I go, yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: That's one of those retrospective fears. Like, you don't think of it at the time. Well, of course, you do think of it at the time because it's a fucking demon salivating dog. But yeah. even more so, looking back on it, like, yeah, you're right. I could have died. Thanks. <laughs> yeah,
2: thanks. Here's your water bill. It's an extra $1,000. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: okay, but no uh, no reoccurring themes in the
2: childhood dreams? No, I don't think so. It was always, um, uh, yeah, just like, like that was the one that was just... <laughs> horrible and then mutated things out of out of life and then pretty much just comes like violent ones i'm there's three or four guys and i'm going hey take it easy guys and they pull a gun on me and they shoot me or i fight them yeah no more realistic type things that are happening in the world as far as you know violence and stuff like that but
1: right um did you have a favorite halloween costume when you
2: were a kid Um, my 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 mom bought me um a Superman costume, and at the bottom of the shirt part of it, it would say it would have a picture of of the person that's got the costume on, a little boy, and Mm. Superman, and it said, "Remember, this suit cannot make you fly. Dot dot dot. (laughs) Only Superman can fly." Got to put that liability contingency in there. Well, it was right. It was right. Yeah, it was right after some kid had a towel around his shoulder and he was waiting for a truck to come. And he oh. jumped out in front of the truck and put his hand out. And he goes, I'm Superman. And the truck ran oh, him over, oh. killed him dead. Of course it did. Jesus. Yeah. And thats I think that's why that went on the Superman costume. But yeah, um, that was my favorite. I remember one year, and I hated it. My sister was dressing me up as a girl. Like, well, I don't want to go as a girl. But what am <laughs> I going to do? She's like 15. I'm eight. She would slap me around and stuff. So <laughs> it's like whatever, you know. Uh, but when I got to the Superman, I was like, oh, this is I remember taking it out in the backyard to show my same friend with the horror movies. And I I put the whole costume on. And then I guess I ran out like, look, I'm Superman. But my mom saw me out the window. So later she's like, have you shown that costume to anybody else? And I go, no, mom, not at all. Then why did I see you in the backyard showing Jimmy Marty? Oh, yeah. That that was a different Joel Weinkum from episode 69. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. And then, then, but that that was it. I like Superman. I think I dressed up one time as uh the Green Hornet. It was a lot of superhero stuff then. It wasn't really it wasn't really going out as a monster or horror stuff. Um yeah. it was Superman superhero. And, yeah, and Green Hornet and um then I would make kind of like make my own costume. So it sounds like in childhood at least
1: uh there was this mixture of like you said, there were certain things that really did scare you and some things that made you happy. Um if you could sum up what it was in childhood that made you happy, it sounds like from what you were mentioning earlier that uh, sort of like cool new styles, you know, there are things that nobody else was doing before. And so when you saw it, you're like, wow, that's that's interesting in that magazine. Anyway, was there any other, you know, common theme that you can think of in your childhood that attracted you to horror?
2: Um, That 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 magazine and horror incorporated those are the two biggest things i i think that um because that that was just uh you know seeing that and seeing this whole other world and oh my parents took me to um space odyssey 2001 mm-hmm. and although it wasn't horror it was still, That's still cool. a movie for a kid to see how old were you when you saw that i'd want to say like before 10 like eight or nine wow but, yeah, other than that, just the, the interest peak. And then, of course, like, like I said, yeah, you know, maybe you were saying, like, hey, what made you happy? I, I was a kid. And flying my kite made me happy. But.
1: Um, yeah, not every question on here is going to apply to you. And, you know, that's fine. We just have them because you never know what's going to trigger what with whom. Um, and when we ask, you know, if there's something that particularly made you excited or something, maybe you can't answer that but there are some guests who do you know yeah. so we we have to ask and you know
2: oh no absolutely no i mean that i mean it was it wasn't just um no i, I wouldn't being a smart ass i was just saying oh, it's I it's not it's always it something to with with horror to make you happy but you know this going you know me going out plant flying my kite playing in the woods or fort playing we used to play a thing called time tunnel we my Neighbor and I would be Doug and Tony. We'd throw ourselves down these hills on 3M property and roll all the way down the hill. And then we'd get up and, Doug, are you okay? Yes, Tony. We went back and toward the age of the dinosaur. Look, a dinosaur. <laughs> you know, oh, and stuff like awful. that. But so it was a, it was, a, and then of course, when you're a kid, you, you, you didn't. Oh, let's play this video game in our... No, you didn't have a damn video game. You went outside and did stuff. We we built a right. raft and sailed out into the middle of a lake. My, my parents didn't know this till like 20 years later. I go, oh, Mom, you didn't know that? We built a raft one time and we went out in the middle of the lake. I was, oh, my God. Yeah, we <laughs> could have been killed, but you know, we weren't. <laughs> yeah. Thank
1: God so what about your teenage years what were some of your scariest uh, stories or books or movies during your teenage years
2: uh, teenage years was getting to when i moved from lake Elmo, minnesota just learning about you know the monsters and and the famous monsters now we're coming to florida and so i'm turning on the tv and oh wow what's this the six million dollar man this is really cool and then uh then uh, i'm paging through another month because now now i'm involved with i got famous monsters and all these other magazines well there wasn't a lot then of course there's famous monsters was the king of them all i'm looking through that and i'm going oh this is interesting king kong was a little 18 inch uh art piece and the guy you know moved it a little bit each frame to make the whole movie and then uh jessica lang or not jessica lang the uh, Fay ray was put into the uh a giant hand that they did make for the window scene and i'm reading all this and then and then I'm reading about Godzilla in the same magazine, and, and I'm like, oh, Godzilla's a man in a suit on a on a train board like mine? That's cool. And then I was getting into that, and then, of course, $6 million, ma'am. And that's when my, my dad, he goes, well, I'll, I'll buy you a Super 8 camera if you want. I go, because he wanted me to you know get in something. Don't, don't get into drugs or don't get girls pregnant. Here, let's get you a camera. Make your stupid movies and at least keep you off of drugs and keep you from getting women pregnant so he bought me this camera and uh, right away my neighbor steve campbell I go, hey i got this movie camera do you want to make a movie and he's like yeah and we made a little dinosaur movie with all our um in fact tim ritter who i didn't i only knew him as a neighbor he was about i must have been 50 so he was about eight he brought over his uh allosaurus to use in the movie or trying rex one of them and we put that in the movie and um uh, gulanium and we did that and then steve and i said or i said why why don't we make a movie like the six million dollar man we'll have a lot bionic boy in it and then we can have you in there as the invisible boy but you're also can trans teleport so we'll call this the eight million dollar boy meets the invisible transport boy and then we spent Mm -hmm. so much time shooting this thing because it was an hour when it got done and you had to splice it there was no you it didn't, it didn't edit like you do now. You splice it. You cut the film. You look at it through a reel. You reel it through. So I got into doing all that, and it wasn't until um, 85. Of course that's, I might be skipping ahead too much. So I'll save that. But, yeah, for the, uh, uh, doing the movie, uh, learning to do little stupid effects like the safe where he punches through the safe and pull stuff out I go, oh, i'll go. i put a sparkler in there and light it. it'll it look so great and the thing caught on fire and i'm like okay this isn't and i caught my hand on fire doing a movie for uh <laughs> it was uh for my greek mythology class in the 10th grade the guy said there's there's not a lot of fire on the monster anymore and it was a little armature just like king kong and uh i go yeah it's going out let me let me throw some more gas on it i had the gas in a no. container and i threw the gas and the gas you could actually see the gas come out hit the monster it exploded and then you saw the fire go back up the trail of the gasoline yeah. hit, the, hit the container and my hand blew up and it was on fire and I'm running around the backyard putting my hand out because it's on fire so I put it out and my friend goes Joel are you okay and I go yeah now I know how the human torch feels and he goes oh he's okay he's quoting superheroes he's fine <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. but
2: yeah it was all it was like movie making experience so yeah having your hand set on fire that was kind of scary (laughs) um but yeah just that was the whole you know getting i got into the horror in the early what's late 60s and then into the movie making promise um movie making process in uh i don't know 70 i think it's actually 72 was the when we did the uh the vionic boy um so that was kind of the, the whole start of that but the horror Was always there but that really came when later in life when i re-met up with tim ritter and then because i was kind of watching the same things like tim's was like the incredible melting man Mm -hmm. and then um uh oh and then of course when halloween came and then you're like oh cool that's what got tim started well tim tim actually got started because he worked with me and he told me this recently. I saw hit one of his interviews, and he was saying, he goes, I think Joel Wankup got it into me because he used to, you know, babysit me. And I, I say not babysitting, just watched him and his sister when they were younger because they weren't babies. Yeah. But I put him in my movies, and then later on in life, he got a, a camera with the S&H green stamps, and he started making action like Dirty Harry movies and then into the horror stuff. And then we regrouped like 10 years later. I read about him in a school newspaper. My nephew told me him about him. And that's how we got back together. And then, of course, shared all our ideas. And then, man, we got to do some movies. And that's kind of how, how that all started. Cool. I know I jumped ahead like five years, but sorry. <laughs> ten <laughs> years. That was
1: of going uh,
0: adolescence to adolescence to adulthood. And that's, that's just a really cool story. I mean, it's kind of like a, a mix of Super 8 and – uh, like what I've seen from this uh, director Jeremy Solnier, he did the Blue Room, um, or no, Green Room, Blue Ruin, and just looking at a lot of his uh, making up stuff, it's like the dude started making, you know, uh, just shitty low-budget films with him and his friends when he was like 10 to 15 or 15 to 18, and they do things like ketchup packets for exploding blood and firecrackers for gunshots, and just... Yeah, we we'll yeah. stories like that that people that like, grew up and started filming at a very early age.
2: Yeah, we had a friend. It was I, I think it was about the same age. Like we were both fifteen, but he took it to the extreme. They were in Palm Beach Gardens, and he goes, "Yeah, Joel, we had the guy in the bridge, and we squibbed. Uh, they had a uh, they were using ketchup packets, but they squibbed them mm-hmm. with firecrackers. So there they you. lit 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 them on his chest. They, would, they had a shirt on it, but they would light the firecracker over the ketchup packet." On and they were on a bridge. They wanted to do a fall from the Palm Beach Gardens bridge, and the thing went off, and it did blow the package open. But it also caught his his shirt was on fire. So when he he actually fell, he uh, fell into the water, of course, and extinguished it. But they were like, they were going beyond the point where I'm like, dude, I'm not gonna put a lit firecracker on my chest. (laughs) In fact, come on, man. Um, But the scariest thing about those times, because you say about scary it, and it's not especially if when you're a kid um there's always a guy i remember one time when i was in lake elmo minnesota getting in a fight in the playground and i punched the guy and he goes that's it that's all you got and man he hit me oh. so hard knocked me on my ass and i was like i just got beat up and i always remember that that was mark Peltier. he knocked me out um but then later in life i was in school in lake uh wait is that no no but by then i moved to lake lake park florida and mm. big difference between florida and minnesota um mm. and there's this one kid there every day that's all he he would write it one 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 time i was sitting there in class and i'm going i hope this kid forgets about beat me up i hope this kid forgets about beat me up i hope yeah. this kid forgets about me beat up i look over the guy's shoulder in front of me he's writing a big sign on his notebook he goes kenny beat the guy up at three o'clock and i'm like oh god he's reminding him <laughs> so I, I i hid i stayed i went out and i went to my bike where you would unlock your bike and i i stayed there with my bike till like five at night that night until everybody had gone home because i didn't want to get beat up and it wasn't until i went to north tech community college uh in um west palm uh, same area as lake park And I never really asserted myself before because I was always, if someone said something, I was like, oh, I guess they're going to beat me up or you run away from it. And this guy, he was like the worst guy in the school. Everybody thought he was connected with mafia. If you mess with him, he'd kill you. And I was just getting into, uh, well, I don't think I, I didn't start a karate yet, but this guy put me in a headlock and he was choking me. And I was like, okay, it's. It's not killing me. If he wants to lead me around and make fun of me for a while, just let him do it. I don't want to fight nobody. And this other kid goes, hey, Cor-, and the guy's name is Peter Cordani. The other guy goes, hey, Peter, you going to stick his head in the toilet like you did the other guy? Uh, the other guy. And right then is when something popped in my head. Nobody's fucking putting my head in no fucking toilet. <laughs> Fuck this guy. I'm taking him out. And it's hard, I pulled my fist forward. And I went back so hard with my elbow, and I guess I caught him up in the solar plexus because this guy was like, "Ah, that's cool. And I'm like, damn straight, man. I'm going to do that from now on. And when I was in Suncoast High School, I remember one guy was walking by somebody, and he pushed me, and it snapped inside my head. I turned around and pushed that guy so hard. He went off the sidewalk into the bushes and crashed, threw his books all over. People were like, what are you doing? I go, Hey, man, he pushed me. I'm pushing back. I'm not going to push me around anymore. Hmm.
0: I got to ask the guy who um, uh, asked him if he was going to stick your head in the toilet. Was that the same guy with the sign? Like, beat him up later? Like, dude, you're not helping.
1: No.
2: Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. It might have been. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Kind of reminds me of what was a karate kid. Hey, Johnny. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know what that's that that reminds me of that you're right he was like didn't he um i think uh, um his girlfriend was like come on you gotta face him he goes no no i'm, I'm not scared of him i just i forgot something i gotta go do something <laughs> that, that was me i mean i'd go there in the morning lock my bike up and then i was i i remember opening up this and it was a book too it was about uh black holes in space and i was I was reading the book and um I said, I'm staying here until the bell rings. I don't want to run into it. It was Kenny Atkinson. He was always going to beat me up. And if I think I contacted him on Facebook and I say, Hey man, I'll come whoop your ass now. <laughs> no, man, no, man. <laughs> so I'll beat your ass now. But I'm reading the book. My head's down on the book. I said, just everybody leave me. And then all of a sudden there is like a human shaped shadow right above me on the book. Oh, and I go, Oh God, he, he found me. He's going to kill me. And I look up and it's the, uh, Oh, Uh, when you were a kid you like wore a orange band and a belt and you were like the the crossing guard or something school monitor yeah like a monitor and he goes he says um hey you 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 have to leave the bicycle area and go out into the playground I'm like great that's where he's at but Mm. I managed to get around and and miss him each time and then the day of the fight I, I don't think it ever came I think they said, you know, well, like I said, I stayed I stayed at my bike until everybody had gone home. But it was as a kid, it was always like it was always like there's one guys out there just wants to be. Oh, I remember the, the he said something to me he Goes, hey, you and me. And I was a new kid. I just moved there. I probably wasn't there a week. And he looked at me. And he goes, hey, and, and this is all from like my bodyguard, too, because he looked at me. And he goes, hey, after school, we're going to fight. And then as soon as he turned around, I made a face at him and I was like, yeah, making a big face at him. <laughs> yeah. And then his buddy Mark goes, Kenny, he just made a face at you. And I'm like, oh my god, does everybody tell everybody here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Welcome
1: to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like uh, at least during your adolescent years, then uh, there's sort of this mishmash of fear and panic and excitement um, that's kind of all gelled together if that kind of makes sense
0: I mean yeah that can be said for any kind of adolescence really it's part of the whole back oh, process yeah eh,
2: I, I mean if Freddy Krueger was around then I, I'd probably have been like oh Freddy Krueger shows up in his nightmares and rips his face off
1: <laughs> did you have any uh, reoccurring dreams during uh, during this part of your life
2: oh man um no then it was kind of just getting into you're in love with gir- like girls and you meet a girl I do remember one night <laughs> different kind uh, of recurring dreams yeah <laughs> um at a, a skating uh we, were, we we would always go out and and skate you know you, you get to go to the skating rink and everything and uh there was a girl there named Dana Abbott and I was crazy about her. And my nephew Mark came along, and she was paying more attention to Mark than she's paying attention to me. And that got me, man. I remember getting home, and my Super 8 camera sat up on my very top shelf, and um, I was in laying in bed or sitting on the bed, and I, I think I was like really upset because I, I remember my dad coming and he goes, "What's the matter?" And I go, "Well, we went to the skating rink and dated. She didn't pay attention to me. She's paying attention to Mark, and that makes me man." My dad's like, "Well." sometimes a girl paying attention to them means she likes you because this other guy and i'm oh you know that's what set it off i was in there getting mad and then i picked something up off my dad i don't remember what it was but i remember throwing it and whatever it was it smashed really loud and exploded like hitting the wall right above my movie camera and i'm because i remember telling my neighbor later i go yeah i got so mad i i threw this thing and it was right above the camera i could have hit the camera and wrecked it and we wouldn't be making movies anymore and um so yeah, then it kind of got to that uh, that the way you're thinking about oh, the, the sh- do you like me, Mark X? If you like me, and and Mark the other square if you don't like me, okay? You know, is that kind of you know bullcrap mentality too? Because as you're growing up, you're, oh, girls don't have cooties, girls are cute, <laughs> you know. Right? It's funny
0: yeah. I go from being yucky to it's the thing that I have to have most in life
1: yeah yeah so other than tim ritter uh was there anybody in particular that like as chris likes to put it was your horror crew at that point well
2: uh, okay at that at that point in like 72 it was just steve campbell and myself mike greenberg was also a high school friend of mine mark Heidebrick was my nephew he was uh he was in the movie um, and that was it. You know, it wasn't nothing elaborate we did. And we just took the Super 8 camera and, okay, you run across there. Okay. Now that you use some bionics. So it's simple stuff like that. And Steve.
1: What about Halloween? Um, did you participate in Halloween? Any, uh, anything particular or special, uh, during your teenage years?
2: Uh, Halloween then, um, I think I was basically a course out of it and let you like, nah, you don't dress up no more. You do that as a kid. So now I'll just stay home and I'll, uh, even in the seventies, I, I think at one point after I did my Halloween thing and was Superman and green Hornet and stuff, I was like, nah, I said, I'm, I think the neighbors were teasing me about going out. So then I was kind of like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll just stay home. I want to see the kids, but in reality, you're, you really want to go out, but everybody's laughing at you.
1: So other than, uh, the fear of getting your ass beat, was there anything else, uh, in your teenage years that particularly scared you?
2: Um,
1: i uh and if not that's fine
2: even it was and it probably wasn't even like well yeah because i remember um, i remember a kid wanting to wear my jeans jacket i had all these patches on it and i guess i was you know anybody else would just say dude this is my jacket i'm not gonna let you wear it but like a dumbass i think i said okay you can wear it one day and i never seen that thing again and then i remember going to my teacher mrs smith and i go mrs smith and she goes yes Johnny's waiting outside to beat me up. Is there anything he could do about it? And he was, he was waiting outside the door and one kids is Suncoast high school and John F. Kennedy high school, both had second levels. And there were stories, not stories. I've seen it happen where the, the bad kid grabbed the kid and he threw him off the railing and, and the kid landed. Yeah. Threw him right off the just like straight out of class of 1984 or something. They, they would do that. But, but yeah, she looks out the door. I look out the door and I see him standing there. he, he wanted my jacket I, I had him i remember telling him i had the voyage to the Sea model like oh yeah i got the Sea view at home and i want that oh I will buy it from you and i remember thinking he's gonna beat me up if i so i went home and took it all apart and brought it to him in a box and had him buy it from me mm-hmm. i i don't remember what happened to my my jacket with all my cool patches on it i think he stole that and wow. um So it was always a thing there because I was like, oh, God, these guys, why why do I want to, why do these people want to beat me up? And then, but it was just, it was just growing up. Everybody goes through that where someone, I don't think anybody's got through all their schooling without having someone say, I'm going to beat you up. You know, even the guy that got beat up, probably, he's probably beat up by his dad all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that that was always kind of grief. I remember one year they, the one guy got behind me on all fours and the other guy got in front of me, and he pushed me. Of course, I, yeah, yeah. And I hit the ground, and my knee came up and hit hit me in the eye, and it created a big black eye. And uh, my parents took me to school, and they were like, "Well, he can't be hitting the head because he had trauma as a child. He he had meningitis, encephalitis. He practically, pretty much, was dead to the world, but he came back, and he can't have trauma to his head and they're saying all this stuff and the, and the principal's probably like i don't I don't give a shit man at school shit's gonna happen you want <laughs> to sue us get in line with everybody else that wants to sue us so it's just those teenage things that that pretty much that scared you it was just you're worried more about getting beat up than king kong's gonna come to your neighborhood and smash your house or, or godzilla's gonna show up um okay
1: so the direction that seems like we're going was so there was some interest in horror in childhood and then in the teenage years, it moved more into excitement and there was some interest in the movie making process. So now you're getting, uh, you know, work-based fascination and achievement of, you know, how do I solve the puzzle and how do I, you know, win the prize of completing the task that I'm trying to complete. Um, and I'm guessing, you know, now that you we're going to move into the adult phase of your life, uh, somehow horror got brought back into that. You had mentioned, uh, meeting back up with Tim, but um, did how can I say this? Were you into? Did you get back into horror before you got back with Tim, or did what order did that happen in?
2: Yeah, I remember still seeing stuff. I remember, um, and if you can, call, I, I think you could still relate this to horror. I remember um, when Dino De Laurentiis came out with King Kong. Um, I think '77. Uh, I saw that, and of course I was like, "Oh, this is oh, that's a real King Kong, and this one's cool." But I still liked. And then and then i was in um i went to minnesota to uh, visit my brother from uh lake park florida and friday the 13th came out and i remember that wanting to see that movie and i went i borrowed my brother's car well he didn't know it his wife said i could take the car he didn't know i took the, <laughs> brother really. but i went into uh, you know st paul they were out in the kind of the suburb part like on the outer area but you'd have to actually drive into St. Paul where everything was going on. I found a theater that was playing Friday the 13th and I went by myself and um, I just thought that was so cool. Cause here's, you know uh, you know, Jason and the mask and people I didn't know, like Kevin Bacon. I, I didn't know that was Kevin Bacon. It was a guy getting a thing shoved up through his throat. I, I didn't know it was Kevin Bacon, you know? Mm. So I was seeing that stuff before I hooked up with Tim. Cause I remember, that was going back to Minnesota. That was uh, when Friday, right, well, right when Friday the Thirteenth came out. I was there that night in the theater seeing that movie. So I always had that interest, of course, which I did way back when I was a kid because of horror incorporated and Dracula. And
1: were there any other, uh any other big properties or or big things that influenced you in the horror genre in and, and the teens that you wanted to talk about before we move on to adulthood?
2: Oh, Evil Dead. Uh, uh remember seeing yes. Evil Dead. Uh Robert Kelly and I we went to see um I think it was Star Crasher. Uh I think it was mm-hmm. Star Crasher. It had the robots in it where they were going, All right, you pull that spaceship over to the nearest asteroid. We gotta do an inspection on your ship. And I remember leaving there between that, going back and forth between that and blazing saddles. So mm-hmm. um but Evil Dead came in the in the I think early eighties, maybe. Um, and then it was all, then they had the uh, Midnight Movies. Oh, okay, there you go. Midnight Madness. Every Friday night at midnight, they had all the horror movies. Dawn of the Dead has got to be my top number one, George Romero. When I went to see that, I was working at Kmart then. So that must have been in 77. Um, And that, that was before Tim and I had hooked up again. So, I, yeah, I was definitely already into the horror phase because I remember going to, to Dawn of the Dead and making these stupid comments when the movie was going on, like the Hare Krishna zombie, which Mike Christopher, which became a friend of mine later in life. Um, there's a scene where he's going after the, the girl and he's getting close. And then the guy comes in and shoots him. And the guy runs to this girl, Flyboy runs to the girl, and they hug each other. And I, I yelled out loud because I was making all these comments. And I yell out, don't worry, honey i'm the only one that'll ever eat you and everybody's like shut up man (laughs) and when they had the scene when they break through the into the basement and all the zombies are in there eating each other uh, and there's a real like a lull because they're just chewing and like that i went don't worry mom they're eating right at harvey's and everybody's like shut up man (laughs) so i had a line for everything through the whole movie And these two guys find out later from the girls at Kmart the next day. They go, "Our boyfriends were going to kill you. We we had to physically hold them down in their seats because they were going to come back and beat the hell out of you." And I go, "Yeah, welcome to my world. Everybody wants to beat me up." Nice. Um,
1: Okay, so had the interest in the horror movies transitioned from um, like an emotional response to the production? or was there still an an emotional response to it?
2: I think I, as I saw them, I mean, I I enjoyed, of course I enjoyed all movies, but, but horror was, you know, really cool. And then of course, sci-fi and all that, but the horror element was always neat because, you know, you had like evil dead was, Oh man, look into the trees are coming alive. I remember a friend was there with me and he was like, this is stupid. I go, no, that's cool. The trees raping the girl. I'm original. (laughs) Can you get that? And, uh, So I was enjoying them, but at the same time I had this urge to like, you know, I really, you know, I, you know, I had already done this stuff in the past. So I was always kind of like, um, so in,
1: from that, you know, the, the adult point forward, were there other things in the horror business that, uh, really affected you, uh, either from a creative standpoint or an emotional standpoint, um, outside of your own body of work?
2: Well just movies like Friday the 13th, um, Evil Dead uh, I'm trying to think of some of the movies from them Well when Robocop came that was way later but Robocop was freaking awesome um, but the, but the earlier stuff and Dawn of the Dead, of course, Night of the Living Dead um, so I was always influenced, always seen those movies and that's you know that my but like I said, the whole gambit was pretty much all, you know I liked all movies. Um, but the horror really, really took over a lot and and some sci-fi.
1: Okay. I'm a little confused by the timeline. So I had put down the evil dead and dawn of the dead. I thought you had said that that was back in the teenage years. Was that, was that teenage or adult?
2: No. Um, I would, the evil dead would have been in, um, like, uh, it was after high school. So it must've been in the eighties and then like, like, like 1980, Evil Dead, and then Dawn of the Dead would have been in the 70s, 1977, because I remember I was working at Kmart. So I was fift- 15 then? Uh, Kmart. 15, 16, I think, would have been um, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, okay. and yeah, and the Evil Dead might have been 80s or 81. So uh, 1980. And then um, yeah, those are the the main ones from those, those two eras, I think.
1: And the reason that I'm trying to focus on uh, stuff outside your body of work is because I've seen your IMDB and we could talk for hours on that. So, (laughs) uh, so evil Dead, Robocop, anything else that influenced you that, or that you enjoyed as a fan?
2: Probably a ton that I, I'm just blank on a lot of the movies now from back in the day, those ones Mm -hmm. I just, I can remember. And then even the midnight movies, I'm, I'm trying to remember like, what else would have been at the midnight movies? Cause I know there was a bunch of horror movies, but now they're just not the only ones I can think of are evil Dead and dawn of the dead. And I'm trying to think of some others of that era. Uh,
1: while you're thinking about that for a second, I'm just going to quick do a check. Chris, are you still there? Cause we haven't heard from you in a while.
0: Yeah, I'm still there.
1: Okay. Oh, just checking.
0: My <laughs> microphone was <laughs> muted. I was saying things, but it was muted. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think I cleared my throat. And I forgot to unmute. Oops. Nope.
2: Now, I do remember the um, AMC movie train for the Midnight Movies. It was uh, The guys live here in St. Pete because I read an article about them. Um, That would come on. It would say, board the AMC train. It would have all these horror. The exorcist was in there. She'd twist her head around, and the train would race through, and it was monsters and all kinds of stuff. Um, And you'd see that at the Midnight Movies before the movie would play. It would say, like, welcome to the AMC movie train, and then they'd where all these movies would take place.
1: So in your adult years now, uh, I'm guessing you've got some sort of a horror crew, if not, uh, literally in the movie sense. Um, how about outside of, uh, the work sense, but just in like friends and family are there, do you have like a, a group of people that you enjoy the stuff with?
2: Yeah. You know, well, you say family, uh, and this is just shifting back to the seventies. Cause you just made me think of this. Uh, my brother, uh, Bruce used to like the movie stuff. We I brought the Super 8 camera with, or actually, I don't think it was, Um, I don't know if I had the Super 8 camera then, or it was, no, it must have been the Super 8 camera. We shot some stuff with my grandma, and we did like a magic show. My brother built this thing up to so make it look like he jumped up in the air and, and saved somebody on a second uh, story. So we were doing stuff together, and then there was a television show on or a movie. It was about the mummy, but not your typical mummy. This mummy had a big like rectangular head. And he was like, yeah. I was like, Oh, what's that? And he goes, that's what we're going to watch as soon as we get home. And so we <laughs> had those share same interests as the movies. But of course, as you get older, your interests change. And now I don't really, I mean, I hear from him occasionally and I try and call him, but it's not like, you know, Hey, I did a new movie. Yeah, nobody really cares in the, in the family. I don't think, I mean, they're like, Oh, that's good you're doing that. You know, uh, what else is going on? You know, it's not like, oh, great. You did another movie. This is fantastic. They don't care. So (laughs) the family, aside from my Super 8 stuff in the 70s, I, you know, Steve would come out before me and everybody, nobody look at the camera, you know, and stuff like that. Um, But it was more than, than, than I can't really say like fam, like I'm not getting with family to, to do movies. I do one of my nephews, he went to um, Bush Gardens with us one night and he pulled up on his uh, phone. He pulled up, screaming for sanity, and some guy behind him was looking at me. He goes, "Look at that! See that guy? That's him right there in line. <laughs> that <laughs> That's that guy right there." Um, nice. So that that was about it as far as as family. I think. Um, by the time he got to where where Tim and I were teaming up, it was him and I, and then we met this guy Al Nicolosi at a video store called Video Xtron, and he was going to be our camera guy for Twisted Illusions. He worked at uh channel i think abc channel 12 in west palm he became our camera guy and then um so the three of us put it together then we went and rented an editing bay we all pooled our money together got an editing bay um i think they were like 40 dollars an hour then and we'd spend the day there putting the show the twisted illusions together and then and then the same thing with day of the reaper i went to tim's house and i helped him package it then we got in our cars and we drove all over um the east coast of florida from miami all the way up to cape canaveral selling day of the reaper then we got into twisted illusions made the packaging same thing got in our cars went and sold it all over took some of that money invested into a better. because we went into video extra with the black and white cover and the guy was like yeah i, I don't want to buy this i go you said you're gonna buy it because it's a black and white cover i go hey man don't screw me around if i go make a color cover and come back are you gonna buy it yes or no I'll buy it. And I go, uh, uh, man, I'll be back in a week and a half. You better buy this. And we went and and I went back to Video Extra. And he goes, fine, that's better. I'll take three of them. So that's as far as our crew was, that was me and Tim and Al getting Twisted Illusions out. Then after Twisted Illusions, that's when we sent that to Jeff Miller at Peerless Films in Chicago. And we we called him on the phone and he loved it. And I was trying to talk like I'm, I'm a big time whatever. And I'm going, well, you know, we want to get somebody to buy, you know, at least 10 copies. And he goes, my friend, I'm going to buy 10,000 copies. And I nice. didn't know who, who this guy was. And I was like, cool. And I, I remember told telling Tim. And then we got on a three-way call with Jeff. And then, um, and then I had some problems in West Palm. I, I moved to Pensacola. So Tim kind of took over and he was calling me on the phone. And he, he would give me updates and i was even like defeated because i was like tim you kind of beating a dead dog there he goes well i'm still trying the next thing i knew he flew to chicago met, and then there got a storyboard artist he's meeting with jeff um and then he's back and then he's calling me he goes you need to come back he goes i he goes i'm not old enough you need to come back and sign the papers to be the president of twisted illusions well i couldn't get there so his dad signed off on it then i did get there but his dad was president and then all of a sudden now we've got these of we got yale wilson from death wish and jeff miller from vegetable house and bob shelley from ghostbusters and invasion usa and heavenly kid and jerry berry from heavenly kid and prom night so now now there when you talk about connections that was your connections all these people were coming in to make our movie and that was the 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 birth of truth Air, which was in like 1984.
1: So let me, I'm going to skip down and uh, ask some questions that we normally um, do at the very end. And I'm hoping that maybe some of these will throw some different light on some of the things that we've been talking about. Um, I'm going to ask what movie you've watched more times than any other, but I don't mean what's your favorite movie. I just mean literally, which movie do you think you've watched more times than any other?
0: Yeah, it can be like that one that you just throw on whenever you go to sleep. Just whatever you watch the most times out of everything.
2: Uh, Dawn of the Dead, George Romero, okay. not the other one. Yeah, uh, RoboCop, mm. uh, Jaws, classic. Um
1: top three is fine
2: that's yeah fine. that's yeah, I mean, yeah top three at work a lot but I, I would say those more if like if i were to get off and walk out and the tv is on robocop i'd be like oh what what kills me is if it's on tv and they go and you're getting at the real good parts and they go oh Dawn dishwashing soap okay i'm done uh, i'm not gonna sit through nine minutes of commercials you know i'll go put the dvd in but um right. yeah it would be that that would be if jaws was on i would oh cool i'll sit down and yeah, we're gonna need a bigger boat. Dawn by <laughs> Dawn dish. Okay, I'm done with that. You know, <laughs> I go get the DVD. You mm-hmm. know.
1: So, what would you say your your favorite film then would be?
2: It's uh, tough one, right? Yeah, that's where when yeah, when you get asked these things, and one person can definitely say one. Well, I, it's hard to do that. I, you know, I'm always uh, Dawn of the Dead. Oh yeah, and, and Evil Dead. Oh, Superman was good. Batman, you know. So then it goes on. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd say. Um, I don't know. I've always got the most enjoyment, I think, out of like Dawn of the Dead.
1: Okay. Um, do you see any common threads about what kinds of horror you like? Like cannibalism, occult, metaphysical, zombie? Uh,
2: well, I will say, you know, occult too. Not that I really like the occult, but I'm a big fan of the television. So supernatural. Um, so that gears it into that portion because they're always fighting demons and stuff. And then I would say, uh, the horror with like the Escape Psycho, like Alone in the Dark, the original Alone in Dark, the first one that was mm-hmm. really cool. Um, which I saw that and oh, that see that that's how you get to my memories. Uh, that was in Tampa. I saw Alone in the Dark in Tampa back in the eighties, and then uh, followed by Tremors, which I saw here at the uh, uh, Mission Bell Movie Theater here, and that was in the eighties. Tremors was awesome. Um. Mm-hmm. So, like, Tremors would be, the, the you know, the good old monster movie. You know, the, 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 that was really cool, original. They're sm- smashing up out of the ground, and they mm-hmm. would get you. Um, what else? What other kinds? Um, and then, of course, Jaws, which is, you say horror, but you also, uh, it's more of like a fishing expedition with a shark that could be <laughs> called a monster, you know, because you don't say, oh, look at the monsters in the ocean. No, you say, look at the sharks in the ocean. Um, mm-hmm. but it can still be thrown in that gear aliens. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I, guess kind of all forms, uh, but, um, yeah, the, the, the psychopath escaping the monster coming up out of the ground, you know, the, the monster stalking through the neighborhood, the aliens that have invaded that are, you know, ripping people apart or kidnapped. There's one I saw on cable where they, it, it was, um, uh, they, they attacked, of course, the world. And then they're pulled onto the spaceship and it ended. But then I saw the sequel and I go, I think this is the sequel to that one I saw a year ago or a while ago on cable where the, the one, the guy had been taken over by the alien. He became part alien and he was going around saving the humans on the ship. And that was still, that was pretty cool. So yeah, pretty much, you know, Exorcist, you know, it took me for, that's, that's a story in itself. I didn't watch the Exorcist till like six years ago. Because I was scared of all that demonic stuff. And I go, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. You know, then I was like, this is what I was afraid to watch. Why? You
1: know, <laughs> you know I, to me, it feels like the common thread through everything we've talked about is excitement. Um, and I think excitement is like, uh, how can I say this? If you try to peel back the onion layer and say, well, what is it that drives excitement? Typically it's a, a very strong love or desire for something. And so I'm I'm finding myself wondering what it is about these uh these different genres, the occult, the the psychotic uh uh you know, escapee, these these different situations. What is it about those things that you love?
2: I don't know, just like I said, like when I see something like, like Dawn of the Dead or Robocop, you got this cop and then they, they shoot him and you're like, oh my God, they're just blowing him away. And then they rebuild him, kind of like, you know, you're back to the $6 million man kind of thing. And then the actual vengeance of it all. When he goes back and starts blowing up, that that's a good thing you think about. It's like the bad guys that are out there in the world that you go and you're getting a Coke or something. Somebody's like, hey, screw you, man. Dude, I'm getting a Coke. What's your problem? Fuck you. I'll blow your fucking head off. I got a gun right here. And you're like, dude, I'm getting a Coke. What is your problem? So <laughs> you want justice. So I want to see somebody go out on the street, find that guy at the Coke machine, and the next time he goes, Woo you. No, fuck you. Boom. And blow him away. I want vengeance. And that's what I saw in Robocop. And I'm like, yeah, kick the shit out of them. And Death, that guy take. Bronson, Death Wish 3 was freaking awesome when he he's like you know he goes this is my friend and they open it up and he, it's a 357 auto meg uh elephant gun pistol and he's like and then he's just out in the street there he where are you going i'm gonna go get an ice cream cone and you're like oh fuck yeah it's about time take the town back <laughs> you know that's how i feel i'm i can do it in the movies i can't do it in real life i see it all the time i go i'm gonna track that guy down and i'm gonna beat the living shit out of him and then i'm like no I'll get caught. I'll go to jail. He'll still be free. I just mm-hmm. fucked up my life. Do it in a movie. I got a guy here in town. I got a guy here in town that's always putting me down, always saying stuff about me, always, oh, his movies suck. He's not in Hollywood movies. That's all he can do. Blah, blah, blah. He just says shit about me. And I got uh, everybody tells me. I go, dude, you should sue this guy. I told my wife last night. I said, you know what? I feel like going over to his house. I know where he lives and fucking just. Beat the shit out of him. I can kill him. I got other friends of mine that knew I was upset by this guy. And this is an actual quote from the guy. He goes, Joel, He goes, if you want, tell me who he is. I'll go kill him. I'll make his body disappear. You'll never have to worry about him again. I go, no, dude, don't do that. <laughs> but I, get I am saying on public record right now, please do not go kill that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some cop would hear this, and something, my, my grandmother's one that told me a long time ago. I got into a, a fight with a guy when I worked at Armellini. This is in the 80s, too. I grabbed the guy and I threw him up against the inside of the truck. Because he's working in the trailer. And I went down there and I grabbed him and I threw him against the wall. I go, hey, man, I'm going to beat the living shit out of you if you don't shut the fuck up. And then I threw him on the ground. I said, you want to do something? Get up. Let's see you do something. Because it's just me in the trailer. And he's like, dude, you're going crazy. I don't want nothing to do with you. I remember telling my grandmother, she goes, you know, if he turns up dead and anybody witnessed that, they're going to come looking for you. I go, yeah, I know. I just got a temper. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think it's the ultimate for me is the vengeance and and even as far as or batman goes after the bad guys but robocop was going after all the scumbags and in death wish 3 with charles bronson and the people go where are you going he goes i'm gonna go get an ice cream cone you're like and then he whips his nikon camera over his shoulder and the guy runs up and snatches his camera and runs and bronson just turns around at the 357 targets him and goes boom (laughs) that's great he goes over to the the punks what are you guys doing Hey man, it's none of your business. We're breaking into the car. What business of it? Yours. And Bronson goes, it's my car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And blows them all away. That's the ultimate for me. Go out and kill all the fucking bad guys.
1: (laughs) It, you know, it's funny because the word vengeance, I think really does summarize pretty well. Stuff that we've talked about through this whole conversation, yeah. uh, and I'm yeah. glad that you landed on that word because that I think that really is a good word for it. Um, there's another word that I, it's it's a two word phrase that's and it's bugging the shit out of me because I can't think of the right wording, but the gist of it is like dream satisfaction um, or oh wish fulfillment wish fulfillment. That's the the phrase I
2: was talking oh, okay. About. Wish um, fulfillment.
1: Yeah. No, that that's actually a great summary, I think, for everything that we've talked about. I'm glad that you landed on that word because you, you did my work for me.
2: <laughs> all right. I tell my wife sometimes in traffic, I go, I go, I swear to God, if I had well, first of all, I got insurance. If I had a big old L T D crappy car I didn't give a shit about, I would just go slide over in someone's lane and scrape the crap out of their car and go, Oh, sorry, bill my insurance. See you later. Yeah. Or they don't they don't park like there, there's a good scene in fried green tomatoes the lady the, the lady is going to pull into a parking space and the teenagers whip in there they go sorry lady we're younger and we're faster and she just takes her car and smashes it into their car <laughs> <laughs> i'm older and got better insurance yeah. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> so usually the last question that we ask is um why horror why horror because uh you know as opposed to other genres but i think uh, the violence and the vengeance part of it really, I don't know if there is another genre that you can really uh, get that in other than maybe like war movies. Like, action,
0: like the Bronson films, you know, I mean, that's, that's got, that definitely has a vengeance angle.
1: to yeah, it. Yeah. Well, right, yes, it's kind but, of
0: built into horror. I mean, but, the whole horror subgenre is vengeance.
1: That's true. But I think the, the, the difference between like war movies versus this is, you know there's there's a little bit of a light ho- hearted humor to the the horror genre whereas like war movies there's there's no humor to it it's just this That's is it
2: That's true.
1: Um and so if you have a personality that uh isn't quite so deadly serious about it literally um I could see how this would be more attract the, the horror genre would be more attractive to you than that for example. Um do you see any other reason why you you find horror uh, being a better fit for that kind of, uh, you know, the emotional release of, like I say, that wish fulfillment. Um, others say that the beyond other genres, or do you feel, or do you have any other genres that you, you found that you get that out of maybe that I'm completely missing?
2: Well, I mean, they are there in, in the horror. I mean, in, even in the horror, there's one, I watched it recently. Um, it, I think it was with Kevin Bacon and it shows him with his kids growing up and stuff. And then one night they're coming home and his kid's a teenager and he just beat, made the hockey, a great hockey game. And he, the kid goes into the grocery store and he's pumping the gas. And, oh, yeah, these cars had raced by him in traffic. And then um, those cars come to the store and they go in the store and Kevin Bacon's pumping the gas. And his son's in there and they hold up the store and they shoot his kid and shoot the clerk. And then Kevin Bacon runs into him. And then the cops are like, "Well, we can't do nothing. We didn't see anything." And that—that that, I can't remember the name of it, but Kevin Bacon's awesome in it because he goes home and decides that nobody else is doing it out, so he goes out on his own, just like in Death Wish. Um, tracks this whole gang down and takes them all on one by one. But it's super, super violent, more violent than Death Wish because what he's doing to them. But again, that's that—you know—revenge type movie so i, I always like those revenge but revenge can come and this in. is a kevin kevin bacon movie i don't think i've ever heard of this one i'm pretty what sure it was in kevin, Ke- I'm, what was it because chris? i really like kevin bacon a lot and i was like this is really something for him and i can't remember the name i saw it on cable i said i like kevin bacon i gotta like this movie chris and, do you uh,
0: remember i just said he's in everything but uh kevin bacon revenge film mm-hmm. yeah
2: imdm or mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah it, it it was i mean and, and but that's the thing and, uh, the revenge can come in you know in a, hell take uncle buck he got his revenge on on <laughs> on the kid, you know, anybody seen bug is bug here looking for bug is bug here you know <laughs> um Jesus. was it death but, sentence did he shave his head at one point yeah death sentence i think that was it
0: yeah this looks awesome and fucked up in every way possible yeah he
2: could because he just he's a normal guy but they took his kid away and and I, I i tell my wife that you know i'm like i don't you know i lost my son to cancer i go i think if that was something else i, I may have tracked down the guy and you know planned it out and set it up and then um strike when the time's right and and and, and kill him and get my vengeance you know uh because that's that's exactly what he did he just the, the gang took his, Oh, and then I think they took his wife and I think they took his other son because they find out that he's tracking him down. And, uh, but yeah, he, he just goes after him and it was, it was awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, first I want to say, I'm sorry to hear about your son. Oh, um, well, thank you. Second, I, I want to say, because I, I'll probably never, ever get another chance in my life to say something as stupid and funny as this, uh, from the dark humor side of it. I, I'm glad that it was cancer that took him. <laughs> like, if you, uh, like you just said, uh, if it was some other guy that did it, like you'd go do this whole other crime, and then you'd be in jail. Like, yeah. So True. in a weird kind of way... A,
0: a faceless, uh, villain it's,
1: or, or. Yeah, it's probably maybe a better thing that that didn't happen. Yeah. That, not that it should have happened at all, obviously. Right,
2: right. But yeah, because <laughs> then you'd be in jail, and you wouldn't have made all these awesome movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Other, other people can... They can do whatever they want, and they'll get away. with. I always tell my wife that I go, oh, but if I did that, I'd be in fucking jail right now for like, like oh, we don't know what we did with the key to Wykoop's cell. I guess we'll just have to stay. <laughs> He's proved innocent. Nah, just leave him in there.
0: Yeah, and then we He's got all the Wine coop didn't kill himself memes.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm very glad that we were able to come up with a good summary. Uh very concise summary of the vengeance and the wish fulfillment and, and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. that really does summarize everything that we've talked about uh, through the whole call. Um, before we close the call, is there anything that you want to uh, pitch before we close?
2: Well, we definitely got to do another show because I got 173 other movies to talk about. <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, right now, yeah, I'm working on um, the Craigline incident. This whole thing started because when this pandemic started in March, Um, it, we, we were on the TV, they were on TV saying, you know, stay in your homes. You can't go out at night. And I'm like, what, what are we even shut down? So I stepped outside my door with my camera and I told my wife, I go shoot me in a scene, talking to the camera now, stand here and shoot me in the scene with me talking to myself into the camera. And that was it. And then I went, oh, I should see if Phil wants to do something. And then that led to Sean C Phillips doing something. And then this guy and that guy and then getting an effects guy in Australia and one here. So now I got this four and a half hour movie called The Craigline Incident, which I got to break it up into like two parts. And I'm editing that now. It's about done. And uh, totally, I I say, you know, it's a socially distant movie because the only actors that work together are my wife and I, because obviously we're together. Uh, Bob Glazer and Jules, Sierra, you can't keep those guys apart. They're always together. So they got a scene together. Um, Eric. Danger Dion and Kate Phoenix. They they live together. They're a couple, so they're in the movie together. Everybody else is completely separated. So it's a true socially distant movie. Some people have said I did. They don't say social. They, say, they might say a uh, a COVID movie for the for the lockdown. But I still see the guy and the girl are making out and getting it on and cutting each other up and stuff. So. That's not socially distanced because they're together. You know, you brought these actors in together. So I am finishing that up now. It's called The Craigline Incident. I'm also working with Phil Herman to do Always Midnight Part Two. And then we're doing uh, a um, found footage film for another filmmaker. And um, so keeping busy. And I finally got a person that I talked to. And they, they're, if I, uh, the publisher, they've done books before. I've gone through like three other author types, um, that were going to do it with me and it just didn't work out. So I'm going to concentrate. I want to concentrate back on that once the Craigline incident is done and, and hopefully just kind of work on the book. So, and if anybody wants, uh, I think Facebook is great for, uh, getting people back together and stuff and, and seeing your work. I, I don't basically go on to do like, here's a picture of the spaghetti I'm going to eat tonight. I'm always <laughs> talking about a movie Or, or something I'm representing. So if someone wants to check out my work, just see me on Facebook. Just go to my name, Joel D. Wine.
1: Yeah. And and like we talked about earlier, uh, you know, we'll get together offline and put together uh, a bio page for you on the horror makes us happy page. And we'll link to the Facebook page and anything else that you want us to, uh, you know, YouTube or IMDB or what have you, um, so, yeah, thanks for being our guest this, uh, this time around. And also thank you to anybody out there listening. Please do come visit us at horror makes Oh, uh, I forgot. We have a, a thank you to put out there. Uh, we got our first Patreon subscriber, a Mr. Fiji green. Thank you, Fiji. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, on the website, we've got a schedule there posted to show who were, uh, Looking at interviewing uh, a list of people that we'd like to interview. If you can help us connect with any of those people, or if you know somebody you'd like to have us add to the list, let us know. Uh, you can also become a Patreon subscriber and link to social media, check out the merch page, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, in general, just come let us know how we're doing. ToramixisHappy.com.